So this morning we continue our series in the book of Romans. Uh, We're in Romans chapter 7, verses 13 to 20, as Paul continues to confuse us. Oh, you think I'm kidding. Wait till I read. Romans chapter 7, and beginning in verse 13. I'll get there in a second. And I'm reading verse 13 to verse 20. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. If, then, I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So everybody understands that passage perfectly, correct? Okay, let's go down to Oneg. No, you know, this is the, uh, I do what I don't want to do, I don't want to do what I do want to do, and do what did he do, if you know what I mean. That's the passage that we're looking at this week. But I want to look at it from a little different perspective, in that the title of this message is The Counterfeit Holy Spirit. The Counterfeit Holy Spirit. So let's look at the passage again. Has then what is good... And the good here refers to Torah, to Tanakh, to the 613 commandments. That's the entire context of what we've been talking about previously. Has then what is good become death to me? That's the question. And as you remember, we talked about last week, Paul likes to ask questions so that he can answer them. And here's the answer. Certainly not. Some translations say, may it never be. Some translations say, God forbid. No way, Paul is saying. What is good, the commandments, the law of Moses, have not become death to me. But sin, capital S, and you'll understand why I'm saying that. Sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin, through the commandment, might become exceedingly sinful. Sin, capital S, might appear. In other words, might be made visible. Now, you remember last week we talked about the question of who is the I in Paul's writing here? Is it Paul? Is it Israel? Is it a pre-believer? Is it a post-believer? Is it an immature believer? Is it a mature believer? And we came to the understanding that the I here represents both Adam 
and Israel and the believer. Paul is using this eye to represent himself as a reflection and as a replaying of the sin that Adam and Eve succumbed to, of the sin that Israel succumbed to, and now the sin that mankind, if you will, may succumb to. Sin, which was the original sin in the garden, that it might appear to be sin, that is, through the disobedience of Adam, Israel, and mankind, was producing death in me. And the death here is not something to be taken lightly. It's not just a part-time death. It is a spiritual death. Produce death in me through what is good. And what is it that's good? I thought you guys were listening. Who said it? Torah. The commandments. The Word of God. But replaying all the way back to Adam, the first commandment which was just trust me and don't eat from this one tree. And that sin of disobedience to God was carried on through Israel, who said to the Lord God through Moses, yes, we will obey and we will do what you say, but they also were disobedient to the word of God. And now it comes to us, who also, because the sin we inherit at birth works in us to produce sin, we are also disobedient to the word of God, so that sin through the commandment, through the commandment, might become exceedingly sinful. The commandment, as we saw last week, points out what sin is. If it had not said, thou shalt not covet, I would not know what coveting is. Just like we talked about last week, the reason for speed limits on roads is so that you know what speed you're supposed to go which is why we always drive five to eight miles an hour over the speed limit, because we want to get away with something. In the very same way, it's almost as if we're trying to get away with something with God. Verse 14, for we know, the Greek word here is edo, or we perceive, we know that the law, all 613 commandments, the entire word of God, the Tanakh, is spiritual but I am carnal, sold under sin. Again, a reference back to, to the original sin of Adam. I don't believe Paul is saying here, I'm carnal, because at the time of this writing, Paul certainly was not carnal. But the sin produced sins, small s, because the sin was made evident by the word. Verse 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. Can I get a show of hands for anybody who ever finds himself in that place? I do stuff and I just don't understand why. Yes, we're all there. For what I am doing, I don't understand. For what I will to do, that I don't practice. We will, but we don't practice. See, we're going to get real personal here this morning. How many of you have made a promise in 2018 that you haven't kept? How many of you said, Lord, I'm going to get up every morning and I'm going to spend time in devotion and reading the word, and sometimes you do it? By the way, my hand's up too. Okay? What I will to do, I do not do. What I'm doing, I don't understand. What I will to do, I do not practice. What I hate, 
I do. I'm treading on, temp, uh, on, on um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sensitive ground here. If you've ever done any reading about people who are, let's say, addicted to drugs, people who are addicted to alcohol, people who are addicted to pornography, people who are addicted to sexual promiscuity, almost 100% of the interviews with these people will tell you that as soon as the act is over, as soon as the drunkenness is over, as soon as the high is over, as soon as the watching of the pornography on internet is over, they feel a sense of guilt, they feel a sense of shame, and they feel a sense of, why am I doing this? I hate this. But this is still what I do. Galatians 5 16 to 18 puts it this way. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, And as we've discussed before, that is not under the dominion of the law. Verse 16. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it's good. You're not agreeing that what you do, which is not good, is good. What you're agreeing with is that the law is good. And why is the law good? Because it's doing its job. What was the job of the law? What was one of the jobs of the law? To point out sin. And that's exactly what the law does. It points out sin. If I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that the law is good. Verse 17, and here's where we get to the meat of what I want to talk about. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin, capital S, that dwells in me. In other words, I'm not the one who's doing what I don't want to do. I'm not the one who's willing to do what I love, but is doing what I hate. I'm not the one, as a believer, who knows what is right, but still does what's wrong. It is sin, capital S, that dwells in me. Other places in the scripture, it will tell you sin dwells in the members of our body. And I need to make a very important point. To the believer, there is no such thing as a yin-yang in your spirit. And I know that's taught many places. You do not have good and evil fighting a battle in your spirit. You have the Spirit of God in your spirit and sin dwelling in the members of your body, in your flesh, and they are the ones that battle with each other. How could sin dwell with the Holy Spirit in the same place? It's impossible. God says that he cannot dwell where there is sin. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good, but now it is no longer, no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Indwelling sin is the culprit. Indwelling sin is the motivation. 
indwelling sin is the propelling of us to do, excuse me, do what we don't want to do. And when we do it, even though we don't want to do it, it's because of that influence in our body. Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, not in my spirit, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. And let me give you the easiest, most understandable definition of what what is good means. It means obedience to God. It means obedience to his word. It means obedience to his commandments. It means obedience to his will in your life. I know, Paul says, that in me, that is in my flesh, in the members of my body, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, that I don't find. For the good that I will to do, I don't do. But the evil I will not to do, that is disobedience to God, that I practice. Is God speaking to anybody here? I hope so. Because if you say you're not a, you don't sin, Scripture says you're a liar. We all do what we know we're not supposed to do sometimes. Now, if I do what I, do, what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin, capital S, that dwells in me. That is a strange concept, is it not? If I do what I don't want to do, it's not me who's doing it, but sin that dwells in the members of my body. How can that be? As a believer, your identity is defined by who you are in and who is in you. You in Messiah, Messiah in you. That is your identity. But when we lust in the flesh, we succumb to the identity of the evil one who wants us to be disobedient to God. It is not I who do it, the creation in the second Adam, but rather I who do it, who's still living in a way, shape, or form in the identity of the first Adam. Which brings me to the message title this morning. The Counterfeit Holy Spirit. How many of you know that Satan doesn't create anything? Can I get a show of hands? How many of you know that Satan is a copycat? Can I get a show of hands? How many of you know that Satan wants to be like God? How many of you know that the Antichrist wants to be like Messiah? So if the Father is being counterfeited by Satan and the Son is being counterfeited by the Antichrist, who's the counterfeit of the Holy Spirit? I believe it's sin with a capital S. Because many times in Scripture, you read sin as if it is personified. For example, uh, in Genesis 5, verse 7, I mark all my passages in the scripture, but I don't have to mark Genesis because it's like the first book. Genesis 5, that's not where I want to be. Anyway, 
if you remember, God is talking to um, Cain, who slew Abel. And he says to him, I'm sorry, Genesis 4, verse 7. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at your door. Sin here is a noun. It's not a verb. Sin here is personified as a force. It's not an action as in something we do. Sin, this powerful spiritual force, right, has its desire for disobedient mankind. And I believe that sin still has its desire for even saved mankind because it still dwells in the members of our flesh. Now, praise God as we become more and more mature, its influence gets less and less and less and less so that we can become more and more and more obedient, that is, living in the Spirit and not living by the flesh. But this entity, this force called sin, capital S, sin, I believe is the counterfeit Holy Spirit. Let's just look at it a little bit more. The Father, he's the Father of all men. That's in Malachi 2.10. Have we not all one Father? He's also the Father of Israel. Jeremiah 31.9. I am a Father to Israel. He's also a Father to the Gentiles. Romans 3.29. Is he also not the God of the Gentiles? And what is Satan's desire? To be the God of all men, to be the God of Israel, and to be the God of the Gentiles. He, in fact, will set up a kingdom, even though it's a counterfeit kingdom, for his son, the Antichrist, when his son rules and reigns from the Temple Mount for seven years. Is that not the case? I think so. Let's talk about the son. The son was to be the messianic king, Psalm 89, and verses, Psalm 89, verses 26 and 27. He shall cry to me, you are my father, my God and the rock of my salvation. Also, I will make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings on the earth. What does the Antichrist want to be? the highest of the kings on the earth, as he will be in that temple area for three and a half years of relative peace and then three and a half years when all hell breaks loose. The Son is also the one who reveals the Father. I'm in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, and I'm in verses 25 through 30. At that time, Yeshua answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, listen, and he to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So the Son is the revealer of the Father. What does the Antichrist do? He reveals Satan. Again, the counterfeit. And the Messiah was also to be the Son. I'm reading from Daniel 7, and this is in verses 13 and 14. 
Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. And that is exactly what the Antichrist wants to be, the one who has a kingdom that will never be destroyed. But what about the Spirit? What is the job of the Spirit? Number one, he's a helper. Isn't that what our Messiah said when he left the end of Luke, chapter, the book of Luke? He said, you need to wait for the helper, the power who will come down upon you on high. That helper, that motivator, that one who gives you encouragement and wisdom. The Spirit is also a convictor, is he not? By the way, there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. A big difference between conviction and condemnation. And here's the biggest difference. Conviction comes from the Spirit. Condemnation comes from the devil. Plain and simple. You know the old cartoons where you got one angel, the good angel on one shoulder, and the bad angel on the other shoulder? I mean, it's a terrible picture, right? But it's kind of like the Lord is saying to you, don't you think that if you did this, you would be happier and you would please the Father more? Whereas the counterfeit Holy Spirit, sin says, who do you think you are doing that? Anybody been there? I've been there. God never condemns, but God will convict. Why? Because God loves us. The Holy Spirit also anoints. He gives us power. He gives us the ability to do what the Father has called us to do through the Son, even if we don't think we have that ability. And believe me, there are many of us here who operate in the Spirit, and I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit going all crazy like some people do on television. I'm talking about operating in the power of the Spirit that are doing things we never thought we would ever be able to do. Some of us doing things we weren't even trained to do. And yet, how are we doing it? By the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because when God is looking for someone to do His will, He's not looking for ability, He's looking for availability. And it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to do what we're called to do. And what else does the Holy Spirit do? He gives gifts, wonderful, marvelous gifts. To every believer, at least one gift. To some, more gifts. And he gives them by his determination as learned from the Son and the Son who learns from the Father. Everyone here does not have the same gift. That would be a pretty boring congregation. No, we are a symphony of gifts. Just like a symphony orchestra has many instruments, many notes, many harmonies, so the gifting of the church, the gifting of the body of Messiah has many gifts, many harmonies, many melodies, many instruments, but all meant to work together into one beautiful song. And what is the goal of the spirit of sin? To divide and conquer and not to bring together and unify. I think sometimes when we read scripture like this, we have to realize that the English translation is not the original. And I've heard some people say, 
Well, you're right, Rabbi Dennis. It's not the original, unless you're re reading the King James. You know, to which I say, yeah, well, the King James Version changed the name of, James, uh, of Jacob to James in the New Testament, which will tell you how, how original that is. But the point is this. The understanding in the Greek is that just because the word sin in English is spelled S-I-N in every place in this passage, it's not meaning the same thing because you have to take it into context. Mankind, dear ones, was born with the sin of Adam in his or her flesh, not in his or her spirit, because when Adam sinned and Eve sinned, the spirit died, but in their flesh to do what they wanted to do despite what God's commandments were. Messiah Yeshua came to pay the penalty for that disobedience so that sin, which dwelt in our bodies, would not have reign over our lives. Instead, by confession of faith to the good news of Messiah Yeshua, we now have a reborn, rebirthed spirit, but that spirit continually fights against the sin that still lives in our flesh. And if we were to take time for testimonies of how that works, we'd probably be here till 3 o'clock this afternoon because we've all experienced it. We all go through it. We all understand how sometimes that sin who pretends to be the Holy Spirit sends thoughts into our mind that says, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Don't you think you can get away with this? Don't you think you can get away with that? Trying to play the Holy Spirit in our life, but playing it in words of condemnation instead of words of conviction. The words of conviction of the Lord are meant to bring healing the words of condemnation of the evil one is meant to bring death. Or at the very least, the death of our testimony of the life that we now have. And so who's the counterfeit Holy Spirit? I think it's the power of sin. What does the power of sin do? Everything it can, or actually some translations say he can, to discredit the power of the Holy Spirit. Instead of convicting, it condemns. Instead of anointing for service, it takes away. Instead of uniting the fellowship together, it divides the fellowship apart. Its purpose is to defeat the word of the Lord. The purpose of the Spirit is to fulfill the word of the Lord. As many as received him, Scripture says, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Are you a child of God today? If you are not a child of God today, this would be a wonderful day to become one. If you are a child of God today, but you succumb too often to the flesh, this might be a good day for you to understand that it's not the real you that's doing it. It's the counterfeit you that the devil wants you to believe is the real you. Your identity as a believer is rooted in the Son of God, not in the Son of Man, Adam, the first Adam. And we need to understand that. And so before we go to the benediction, I'm just going to take a moment to give you an opportunity to have maybe a short little conversation with God and ask Him two questions. Question number one. 
Have I accepted your son and therefore become identified with him? Question number two. Even though I've accepted your son, have I lived by the flesh and not by the spirit? And if there's anyone who needs to make a confession of faith, I'm going to pray right now, and this is a good time to do it, just by raising your hand. And if there's anyone who wants to um, convey the, the fact that they have lived a believing life in the flesh, this would be a good time to raise your hand as well. So let's pray. Avinu Malkeinu, our Father and our King, I think sometimes, Lord, the best thing to pray for is wisdom. Wisdom to know the real from the counterfeit. Wisdom to know the good from the bad. Wisdom to know righteousness from unrighteousness. And wisdom to understand by your conviction what kind of a life we're living. And so, Father, right now, uh, I pray for anyone to whom the Spirit is speaking convicting, maybe of the need to confess faith in your good news, the death, burial, and resurrection of your son, or maybe to confess the fact that even though they have believed, they are not living the life of a believer, but living based on the emphasis and the forces of the sin that dwells in the members of their body. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that wishes to confess faith in Yeshua, maybe for the first time, or wishes to confess living in the flesh, I would ask them just to raise their hand here and I recognize them. Yes, Father. Yes, Father. Are there any others? Yes, Lord. Are there any others? Yes, Father. Yes, Lord. Yes, Father. Yes. To that I add my own yes. Father, make us people who not only believe in your word, but do your word. Let us fight the battle against sin that dwells in our flesh, knowing that the battle has already been won, and all we have to do is follow along with the path of your son. May all those who have raised their hands, including myself, get a new awareness, a new wisdom today from you by your spirit, of who they are in your son and how they are to behave and the battle they need to fight. And God, we just give you all the glory and we praise you in the name of your son, Yeshua. And let us all say together, amen. Would you please stand for the benediction? If you are new here, um, we try to stand together with each other. We bless the congregation as a family. Find a hand. May the Lord, may the Lord bless and keep you. May his grace and his face shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, and give you peace. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmerecha Yair Adonai panave lecha v'yichunecha Yisa Adonai panave lecha 
Via same lecha shalom. Via same lecha shalom. This is the way you shall be blessed. From day to day, he'll be your rest. This is the way you shall be blessed. From day to day, he is your rest. May the Lord, may the Lord bless and keep you. May his grace and his face shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, and give you peace, and give you peace, and give you peace. Devour the goodies that we have. Let's ask the Lord to bless our food and our drink. And remember, if anybody would like the uh, Noah's Ark uh, track, I'll be glad to give it to you. Baruch Ataranai, Eloheinu Melech Halom, Amotzi Lechem Min Haaretz. Amen. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who gives us bread from the earth. Amen. And our drink. Baruch Ataranai Eloheinu Melech Halom Pri Hagafen. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who gives us drink. He created from the fruit of the vine. In Yeshua's name, go in grace. If anybody would like some prayer and anointing of oil, come up front. <laughs> 